On today's show, we're going to be looking at second-year players. Who could be primed for a breakout? What to expect from these guys who were rookies just a year ago? Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at redrock underscore beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. So we did fourth year players. We did third year players. We're doing second year players today. Next week, we'll do rookies and we'll also do NBA schedule announcement and what that means for fantasy as well. Uh, hint, it doesn't mean as much as you think it does, but we'll talk about that next week also, and then we're going to start getting into some team preview shows next week, would be my guess, and there'll be some other, th- other shows uh, sprinkled in there as well, but let's talk about these players hitting into their second years. You get big leaps, big, big efficiency jumps usually from players hitting from first year to second year, big free throw rate jumps usually. You get some increase in assist numbers a lot of the times as well. Often you'll get things like... Um, uh, block rate will occasionally decrease, but you're looking at big free throw, free throw attempt, three-point percentage, field goal percentage, two-point percentage, usage minutes jumps from first to second year. So let's talk about who those players are, and let's start with the rookie of the league, rookie of the year, LaMelo Ball, who was uh, the 57th-ranked player in category leagues and the 57th-ranked player in points leagues. He only played 29 minutes a game, and that should be the number that gets you excited. 26 usage, 54 true shooting. So I can look at two of those and go, yeah, they're increasing. And then when two of those increase, then the ranking numbers will increase. Those minutes will go up. There is zero doubt about that. That true shooting should go up as well. Now, when Mallow was starting versus coming off the bench, his uh, assist rate did drop a little bit. So that's worth mentioning. But I think the you know four or five extra minutes a game, he could easily play. There's no Devontae Graham. Ish Smith's the backup. The Hornets, uh, interestingly enough, uh, extended Terry Rozier today for another four years, which was uh, a curious decision. But anyway, LaMelo is going to get more minutes. He's going to have, I would say, a higher true shooting. It might be a drop in assist rate, but he is going to be a guy that I think in most fantasy drafts is going to go in the second round, would be my guess. And I don't think there is too much of a problem with him going at that area. I think that's probably going to be fine. Again, we look at true shooting and usage, or not even usage, true shooting and minutes actually going up based on his rookie season. I think that should all tie in together and tie in together pretty nicely. The runner-up for Rookie of the Year was Goose, Anthony Edwards. Edwards, to begin the year, was pretty bad. He was not a rosterable player for the first couple of months of the season. And then, towards the end of the year, he really fired up. And we saw big numbers and we saw top 50 type performances. He was 101st in category leagues, 71st in points leagues. But we're talking last few months of the year, he was top 50. He played 32 minutes a night with a 27 usage and a true shooting 52. So the minutes may not change. Maybe it's an extra minute. The usage may not change. It might go down. Because towards the end of the year, he was doing that with D'Angelo Russell um, either limited or coming off the bench and Malik Beasley out. And now we have Beasley back and we have Russell you know, starting. So there might be a reduction there. 
But the 52 true shooting will come together, and it was really high at the end of the season. So I would expect that to be a pretty significant jump for Edwards. Like if he hit 57, 58 true shooting, I don't think it'd be a surprise. He should average over 20 points. His assist rate jumped up. He got a ton of steals. I think to me, he is a pretty clear top 50 player. I wouldn't mind him as a top 40 guy even. There is there is that risk there again, just with how does it work with him and um, with him, Beasley and Russell all playing decent minutes together. I think it'll be fine. I think it'll get figured out. But he is, uh, again, we're, we're expecting that true shooting and the efficiency to get close to mirroring what he did at the uh, at the end of last season where he was really putting in some big, big performances. So I am pretty excited to see what Goose is able to bring over the course of a full season. We do have to keep some expectations in check because of those reasons that I mentioned, but he is going to be still really, really good. Let's look at the consensus top three guy in Rookie of the Year, and that is Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton um, was a steal for the Kings where they drafted him. Still not 100% sure on his overall upside and if he can get to the star level like Edwards and like Lamelo, but that's fine. He was 70th in category leagues, 96th in points leagues, so obviously a discrepancy there. He played 30 minutes a night with a usage of 18. I think those minutes should go up. The usage I'm not certain on, the true shooting, I'm not certain on either. He had 59 true shooting. The 30 minutes, he should. Now, what they do with their lineup remains to be seen. Do they continue to try and put Bagley at the four and Barnes at the three, meaning Halliburton comes off the bench? Do they start Halliburton and Heald and put Barnes at the four? I'm not sure what stupidity Walton's got in store for us this year. So I'm a little bit concerned about maybe a cap being put on what Halliburton does because of Walton and rotations. But I think he beats that 70 number. And really, not through true shooting, maybe not through usage, more through maybe one or two extra minutes. Let's hope that we get more Tyrese Halliburton. But there is no guarantee with that. Walton screwed around quite significantly with him last year. And I think there is going to be some frustrating moments with um, with Tyrese Halliburton as we, as we head into this season. There'll be moments that annoy us. There is, I think, no doubt about that. But they're just things we have to uh, we have to deal with. It's that time of year again. All eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half million dollar NFL Mega Contest and the two hundred thousand NFL Survivor Contest, open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you can receive a 100% welcome bonus. Is that a a typo? It used to be 50%, 100% now. Jesus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to horse, horse racing. Don't wait and take and, and well, don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online are your online sportsbook experts and don't forget to use our promo code locked on. All right, let's go to the next guy here. Um, and there is a significant drop-off between those first couple of guys that we mentioned. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of flaming galahs. The, the flaming galah Elf Stewart. Isaiah Stewart of the Detroit Pistons. And I say there's a big drop-off. There's a big drop-off between what those three rookies did last year versus where the next rookies come in. And Stewart was one of those next rookies. But the 150th last year, 175th in points league, he played 21 minutes. 
there is a big jump coming for Isaiah Stewart. I would be, I was going to say I'd be surprised, but we know who the coach is, Dwayne Casey. I would be mildly surprised if Stewart is not the starting center opening night ahead of Kelly Olenek. I would be mildly surprised if those 21 minutes do not equal 27 at bare minimum, maybe 30. The true shooting at 60 was great. The usage at 16 was good. I think we can see a usage increase, but more importantly, a minutes increase. And I would not be surprised, and I'll give you a bit of a spoiler. I did a mock draft yesterday with a bunch of fantasy analysts, and I wrote that mock draft up, and it will be coming in when Basketball Monster is released next week. You'll see a recap of that article. I took Isaiah Stewart as my first center on that team, and it was in round six or seven from memory. So don't be surprised to see him in that 60 to 80 range in drafts with a big increase in minutes coming for Isaiah Stewart. He doesn't need to really do too much on his per-game numbers from last year to take a step forward. He just needs to play more minutes. And no Mason Plumley there. Second year, he should feel a little bit better. Hopefully, that injury he sustained at Team USA camp, which someone pointed out to me, was why he didn't play in Summer League. Now, hopefully, that doesn't uh, set him back to begin the year. But I am really excited to see what he can do. And I think he's going to take a really big step forward this coming season. Let's talk about his teammate now, the depressed penis, Sadiq Bay. Bay was a starter for the majority of last season. He still only played 27 minutes a night. So that is worth noting. He will be locked in as a starter this year. I don't think there's really any debate about that. He will start at the three for the Pistons. He was 168th in category leagues and 176th in points leagues. He is a little bit one-dimensional at times in what he does. He hits threes. His two-point shooting was horrendous last year, but he hit his threes well. He hits his free throws well. He doesn't get to the line a huge amount. Steals not great. Rebounds not great. Assists not great. Blocks not great. Scoring's fine. But I think those minutes, the 27 a night, yeah, it's going to jump. That's going to be 31, 32, 33 a night. The 168 should push to 120, 110, maybe top 100. I'm not sure how much more is in his game, whether he can start being a guy that gets three assists or 1.5 steals or 18 points. I'm, I'm not sure he can do that. But just taking 27 minutes and taking them to 31 or 32 pushes him very, very clearly into that draftable zone in that round 9, 10, 11 sort of area. And I think that the depressed penis is going to have a pretty big season. Again, no one's really coming for his minutes. I don't think that Sekou Dumbaya is going to cut into that playing time. I don't think that Luca Garza or uh, Isaiah Livers is going to be cutting into his time. He's there. He's the three. He's going to be playing a big chunk of minutes. And uh, he probably sees somewhat of a usage increase. And I would expect his two-point percentage to increase as well, given how absolutely terrible it was last season. Let's go to Chicago. Patrick Williams was the number four overall pick last year. He started, I think, basically every game. There might have been a couple that he came off the bench. He played a pretty decent chunk of minutes. But was he good for fantasy? 28 minutes a night? It's not. Look, that's not particularly good. 186th in category leagues, 202nd in points leagues. And that's where it comes into that really low usage, 146 True shooting was fine. And I made a comment on a, on a partial, and plenty of people called me out when I was here saying that the Bulls have some poor shooters in their starting lineup. I said that he was a bad shooter. He's not a bad shooter, but he's also not a great shooter. Yes, he hit 39% of his threes as a rookie, but it was on such low, low volume that it's hard to fully trust that. And so much of it was just catch and shoot stuff. There's not much self-creation. He It was a lot of, I'm taking two a game, um, wide open threes. Like that's sort of what he was doing. So I'd say he's more of an average shooter, 
I'd like to seize his shooting gravity, which is almost as important as your yeah, volume percentage and gravity is, is almost as important as just how many go in because you create that space for your teammates by being a threat to take those threes and to make those threes. At this point, he's made them on low volume, but he's not taking huge amounts and he's not demanding the respect of opposing defenders out there. So that's part of what I was meaning and, and I phrased it poorly for sure. Um, so he's, he's an average shooter with scope to improve, but how does he improve on his usage this year? Minutes, sure, they'll go up. The Bulls still don't have like anywhere near a full roster. So there's minutes will go up. He'll play 30 plus. But with DeRozan, Levine, Vucevic, Ball next to him in the starting five, is he going to be able to demand more of the ball? We saw him do it in Summer League and they put him into that role. It didn't work particularly well with his efficiency. He was a horrible finisher. Like really bad two-point numbers. Um, it's just not going to happen for him, I don't think, in the NBA level this year. And while I think he can be a draftable guy for his steals and blocks and he'll hit some threes, I'm not convinced that he's going to be a huge, huge breakout guy. He might be, but just trying to find those extra shots for him in the flow of that Bulls offense, he's going to need to take big steps forward and be like a demanding presence. And it's just, I think it's probably a couple of years away, if it ever happens, probably a couple of years away from that actually happening. Let's go back to Detroit. There are three guys here in this second year breakout player situation. And one of those guys is Killian Hayes, who was pretty bad. Like offensively or shooting-wise, horrible. Yeah, I was big on Killian Hayes heading into the draft. He looks pretty dumb at this point. I'm not going to lie about that, but I'm not giving up on him after playing about 20 games. Um, I think his defense is already at a really good level. I think his passing is already a really good level. I think his shooting is at an absolutely shitful level. Like, it is dreadful. 42 true shooting is dreadful. He played 26 a night. So I can expect, I will expect that true shooting to go up. If it goes down, you may as well get rid of him. Like, that, if it goes down from 42, just piss him off completely. The minutes should go up. Although, Dwayne Casey, again, that's the caveat. He's got Corey Joseph to play with. Cade Cunningham can play at point guard. Um, they just re-signed MC Hamadou Diallo. And Diallo's not a point guard, but having more Diallo there means more Corey Joseph at the one, means more Cunningham at the one. So that's a risk with Hayes. I don't mind him as a late-round flyer, last-round pick. And if he plays 30 a night and the true shooting jumps from 42 to 52, which 52 is still bad, but it's a big jump, and then he averages six assists with 1.5 steals and 12 points and two threes. They're not outrageous numbers, and they will be good enough for a 12-team league. It's still a long way away from that happening, but I don't think that it's an outrageous expectation to think that he can take you know, big steps forward. I think he's already comfortable as a passer. He can take some step-back threes. We need him to go in, and defending, he's already great there, and Casey loves that. And they are, despite what you might think, they are committed to him as their starting point guard, but there's a lot that needs to go right still for Killian Hayes for him to turn into a useful player. And he's that guy that you draft last round. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens the first week. And then if it's not happening, I don't think you're losing much by cutting him personally. Let's go on to uh, Memphis. We've got a couple of guys on this list as well. We've got Desmond Bain. Uh, yes, my uh, horrendous Bain impression. Um, Desmond Bain. The fact that they traded away Grayson Allen and traded away Eric Bledsoe and traded away Patrick Beverly gives me a little bit of hope that Bain's going to have a pretty significant role on this team. He only played 22 minutes a night last season. He was 228th in categories, 258th in points leagues. He dominated Summer League. He looked way too good for everyone. 16 usage, true shooting 60. Now, he is an excellent shooter. I imagine that continues. 
I think that the minutes go up from 26 maybe to 25, uh, sorry, from 22 maybe to 25, 26. They will still start Dylan Brooks. It will still annoy the shit out of me all season. But the fact that Allen is gone and he has been replaced by Rondo, who I really don't think is going to be on this team, or has been replaced by Jarrett Culver, who is not a rotation player, um, Bain should see more minutes. He should see those Grayson Allen minutes. And there's two and a half to three threes per game potential, 12 to 15 points per game potential. I would say the upside for him is probably limited just because of the other players on this team and the way that rotation can work. But I am excited to see what Bain can do in his uh, in his second season because uh, I thought he was really impressive. He did struggle at times, but that's to be expected for a rookie. But overall, especially as a number 30 pick, yeah, I think you have to be pretty impressed with what he was able to do. I'm also pretty impressed by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain store to stock all the parts you need. Why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to stock? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you spend 30, 50, 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can eat, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. Coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, whatever it is, there are your favorite flavors right there. And if you don't know what your favorite flavor is, why don't you get a mix box? 18 bars, nine, uh, nine flavors, two of each. So you get to try them. 17 to 18 grams of protein as well, because these are not just delicious bars. They are healthy. Four to five grams of sugar, four to five grams of net carbs, and calories ranging from 130 to 180. Built Bar is also the official protein bar of the US track and field team. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. The promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, so the next bloke that we're going to talk about is a guy that was drafted two years ago, but rookie season last year, Chuma Akiki of the Orlando Magic. Now, Akiki... I thought it was impressive at times last year. Didn't really play much early in the year. But towards the end of the season, when Aaron Gordon was traded, of course, there was no John Isaac. Akiki stepped up. Now, he was put into a role that has no basis in reality for, I think, where he's going to go in the NBA. He's not going to be a guy that yeah, has 20-plus you know, usage, which he had at times last year. I thought he was pretty solid in his role. But 188 in categories, 25 minutes total, 15 usage, 51 true shooting. He had some real shooting issues towards the end of the year. But he's a guy that can get some steals, get some blocks, hit some threes. How it all fits this year with um, John Isaac returning with Franz Wagner there. And how they decide to run that rotation is a big question mark. I'm not expecting a massive breakout from Akiki, but I do think his combination of steals and blocks and threes is going to make him a guy that has fantasy value that looks way more outsized than it actually than it actually should be given what his scoring load is. And in points leagues, he's not going to have that same level of value. But he is a really interesting player who I think can take some steps forward and improve that efficiency. Now, true shooting, second-year guy, that should go 55, 56, hopefully. Minutes, maybe he gets 27, 28, maybe it's 29. That can all push up. Usage, I'm not convinced. But I think as a second-year guy, he's going to have a really solid rotation role. 
Could very well be a starter. Probably should be a starter on this team next to Isaac uh, and then next to whatever the hell they figure out in that backcourt with that mess. But he is going to be an interesting player who, who I do think is going to take some steps forward. Now, another guy who is a second-year player but obviously wasn't drafted two years ago is the wild thing, Jay Sean Tate. He was actually undrafted and was a draft-eligible prospect about four years ago but stepped onto the scene with the Rockets last year and was was pretty good. There is times when he was playing as like a point forward. He put up really good defensive numbers. Um, and he was 118th in category leagues, 128th in points leagues, 29 minutes with a 17 usage. While a lot of these guys I'm looking at as maybe breakout players, I'm not, I'm looking at maybe the other way for Tate, to be honest. He started a lot of the season as the four. He might start as the three this year, but the Rockets could just as easily run out John Wall, Kevin Porter, Jalen Green, Daniel Tice, Christian Wood. And then Tate and House are filling up back up three and four minutes. And then Alperen Shingun, Usman Garuba are getting center minutes. Josh Christopher, Eric Gordon, they're all coming off the bench. So those 29, look, this team, the Rockets team is undoubtedly more talented than what they were having for most of last year. Injured Eric Gordon, injured John Wall, half a season of Kevin Porter, no Jalen Green, no Shengun, no Josh Christopher, no Garuba, no Tice. Injured House, not that House is very good. Tate is also 26. So I'm a little bit worried about, is there scope for him to significantly improve? He probably can improve. But already with a 58 true shooting is good. The 29 minutes, maybe, maybe not. I I think the upside for him is really low. And I'm not convinced that he even beats the the fantasy ranks that he put up last season. He might, but I'm not like uh, banking on that. Same goes for Cole Anthony, who I am a little bit, I don't know if concerned is the right word. But yeah, you look at a guy who was a starting point guard last season, had some really strong stretches. And I look at him and go, Eh, maybe. Like, maybe. Because remember, he started because Markel Fultz tore his ACL. So Fultz will be back probably December, probably, or maybe January, probably December. But they also drafted Jalen Suggs at number five, who is by far the better prospect than Cole Anthony. I think already a better player than Cole Anthony. And I would hope that they just start Suggs together. And if it comes to it, then Anthony's the guy that moves to the bench. So while Kyle, Cole had some stretches, 125th in points leagues, 176 in category leagues, 27 minutes and, tw- and 49.7 true shooting, we could look at that and go, well, that true shooting is going to increase. And, and I do agree with that. The 27 minutes in the starting role, I am not convinced it's there. We are basically adding two more guards into the mix. And that's not even to discuss the fact that Gary Harrison, RJ Hampton played like 15 games for them or something at the end of last year. So the 27 minutes that Cole played, it might not even happen again this year. It might, but it could drop off. I think the, the true shooting improves, but he might play a lot more off-ball with Fultz and Suggs having the ball in their hands more than uh, than he was used to that sort of ball ball pressure competition last year. I just don't... Ball, ball pressure is absolutely not the right word, but um, in terms of those other guys handling the ball. Um, let's go to Toronto. You know that I was pretty high on this guy last year. I thought it was ridiculous that he slid as far as he did in the draft. And that is Malachi Flynn. Now, he's going to be a popular sleeper for people this year. I believe that you know he's a guy that should get a decent chunk of minutes. But the way things currently stand in Toronto, there is Fred Van Vliet, 
Guaranteed second round player. Do not overthink this. Fred Van Vliet could end up as the 12th best fantasy guy this year. Like, don't overthink this. He is a he is a top. Let's be conservative and say top 18 player, Fred Van Vliet, I think. You got Fred Van Vliet. And then next to him, you have Gary Trent, maybe. Goran Dragic, maybe. All right, one of those guys there, or Malachi Flint. You know, the ideal thing would have been your Dragic isn't there. They don't re-sign Trent, and then Flynn and Van Vliet start together, and Flynn becomes an absolute must-draftable player, must-draft player, right? But Trent's there, and they signed him for a lot of money, and Dragic is there for now. Dragic will miss time. He'll get injured. He might get bought out. He might get waived. He might get traded. I don't think those things are happening, but they could. So at this point, you have to think that Flynn is the fourth guard on this team. Now, there will be a time when Siakam is out, and they might push Ananobi to the four, and then they might start Trent at the three, with Dragic and Van Vliet together, and then Flynn does come off the bench. But that also you know, reduces or changes the, or sorry, ignores the idea that if when Siakam is out, that they don't just throw Scotty Barnes in there and start Barnes and Ananobi at the three and the four. And then Flynn is again back to being second guard off the bench behind either Trent or Dragic most likely. I like Flynn. I think he's got the talent. And I think that true shooting is going to improve. 48 last year, that's going to improve. He played 20 minutes a night. That will improve. I think that he could, and Raptors fans apparently hate me and hate this channel on YouTube because every one of them jumps on and comments every every time I say something about them. And I said, I think Malachi Flynn's actually going to be a better player than Gary Trent. I think he might actually be one. And the amount of shit that I get for that, or if I say something about Scotty Barnes isn't a good shooter, man, you don't know what you're talking about. Raptors fans, they they get on me for saying that I'm not sure Delano Banton should have got a full-time NBA contract and not a two-way guy. Uh, people, uh, Raptors fans, love your passion. Maybe calm down a little bit. Anyway, and that I'm sure that'll I'm sure that won't attract any comments at all. But Flynn, I am really excited to see what he can do. But you've got to be realistic in looking at that competition. Now, can he take that step up ahead of Trent? I think he's already there. Personally, I would play him over Trent, but I'm not the coach. And the game plan there, if Trent's just there to sit in the corner and bomb threes, then he is better than Flynn at that. If you need a second ball handler, a guy to play some defense, you know, Trent's not a bad defender, but Flynn's not bad as well. Um, yeah, Flynn's a really good pick and roll type guy, but and then there's Dragic as well. So they're they're all complicating factors, I think, when we're talking about Malachi Flynn's breakout potential. It's there for sure, but it's far from a fait accompli. Let's go to Denver. Faku Kompatso, who was the starting point guard down the end of last year when their headmaster Jamal Murray was out. I think that that starting point guard this year is going to be Monty Morris and not Faku. Monty Morris took over at the end of the playoffs. Now, remember, Morris was dealing with a hamstring injury at that same point as well, so therefore he wasn't starting. Faku played 22 minutes. He had a 13% usage. He is not going to see a big usage spike. He was a top 200 category league guy, but yeah, not worth sniffing anything in points leagues, 263 and a 56 true shooting. What he does is he gets assists and he gets steals. If he plays 26 a night, he will have fantasy value. But if he plays like a 22-minute a night role behind Monty Morris... It's probably not going to be worth your worth your while. Also, he's a million years old, like, so we don't need to get um, you know, how old he's thirty. Like we don't need to get too excited about what's changing. It's more going to be what what the role is going to be for Faku versus you know, does he take big steps forward? This next guy is an interesting player, Jaden McDaniel's in the Minis- for Minnesota for the Timberwolves. I think that he should be absolutely locked in as the starting four on this team. The problem is, is when you're surrounded by Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, and Carl Anthony Towns, much like Patrick Williams in Chicago, when are you going to touch the ball? 
Now, McDaniels played 24 minutes a night last year, 245th in category leagues, had a 12% usage with 55 true shooting. And that report came out that the Timberwolves view him as one of their core four players, along with Edwards, Russell, and Towns. He's going to have to get by on blocking a lot of shots, which he can do. You're getting some, hitting some threes, getting some steals, but efficiency needs to improve. 55 true shooting as a big man, you want that higher. And I'm just not sure he's going to get the ball enough to be um, a massive breakout guy. As a last round pick, sure. But if I want to look at yeah, those guys who would be last round pick options, we talked about Killian Hayes, Chumura Kiki, um, yeah, if, maybe even Patrick Williams as a last round pick. Or there's some other guys we're going to talk about later on here who might be more worthwhile, who have got that higher upside than what McDaniels does for this season. I like him, and I think he is going to get a lot of minutes, but is it going to turn into anything particularly good? Let's talk about Alexei Pokyshevsky, who obviously is an exciting player, a, a, a true unicorn, a seven-foot point guard. And fantasy sites, if you're listening, Alexei Pokyshevsky is not a center. Do not make him center eligible. He is a power forward. If you want to give him dual, you give him small forward. He can do that. If you want to give him another one, make him a shooting guard. But he is not a center. Um, so if your provider doesn't have him as a center, don't draft him thinking that he's going to be made a center, I think is more what I'd say. Now, true shooting was absolutely shitful. 43%. Usage 21, minutes 24. Could they could they start him at the four this year ahead of Darius Baisley? Will they start him at the three? I don't think so because Dort will have that. And then the backcourt will be either Maladon and Shea or Gideon Shea. Dort at the three. And then the four is... You know, Pokashevsky or Baisley. I think Poku, if we want to talk about those last round flyer guys, like if they say, well, you are the guy getting 30 minutes and it's not Baisley, and he averages 12 points, two threes, two blocks, four assists, so that's absolutely got way more upside than I think what a McDaniels can do. So he is worth looking at, and that battle for those minutes is going to be really key as to what we do with Pokashevsky. Yeah, he was, he was pretty solid at times last year, but the efficiency really, really hurts. Let's go to Philadelphia. Tyrese Maxey. You know that, I, again, I loved Maxey last year in the draft. I thought he was, yeah, he slid way too far, and I think that was proven out, at least how he played, and then dominated Summer League. I think that he should be. Doesn't mean he will be. I think that he should be ahead of Shake Milton in the rotation to be the backup. And what happens with Ben Simmons is anyone's guess. If Simmons goes, though, does CJ McCollum come back and McCollum just starts in the starting lineup? Or do they get other pieces and Maxi starts? I think there is a chance that Maxi starts. And if he starts, he's a great flyer pick with your last pick to see what happens. He played only 15 minutes a night. 23 usage. He was outside the top 300 in both categories and points leagues. 53 true shooting. But the minutes will increase. The true shooting will increase. I think the assist rate will increase. I think he's going to take massive steps forward. Whether it's enough to matter in fantasy remains to be seen. But I think there is a big step forward, and I would, I'd be pretty disappointed if he can't take that Shake Milton role away from Shake Milton. George Hill is no longer there as the backup point guard as well. So Maxi has a real opportunity to see a big increase in what he does, and it could get even bigger depending on what other things happen. Go back to Memphis now, talk about the cashier, Xavier Tillman. I thought Tillman, when he was pressed into action during Jonas Valanciunas' COVID absences last year, played really well as a starting center. But he was impressive. But now we go into a situation where, yes, Valanciunas has been replaced by Adams, a worse player, but Adams will likely start. But Jaron Jackson's also back. 
So I could make an argument that would say Xavier Tillman could start next to Jaron Jackson, right? You could make that argument. I could also make the argument and say he's the fourth big man behind Jackson, Adams, and Brandon Clark. So while he was 240th in categories and played 18 minutes, we go, well, maybe there's a big step forward in his second season. There might not be just because of a healthy Jaron Jackson and the fact that Adams is still around. He's one to watch, but he's probably not going to be a flyer type guy. This guy is going to be a very popular flyer. We go right up to the pointy end of the draft. Isaac Okoro from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, he didn't struggle from a lack of minutes last year. He played 32 of them. He struggled from the fact that he was shit house at fantasy and was just horribly inefficient with low usage. We saw at the end of the year, some things really start to click. We saw the usage increase for him. We saw the um, efficiency start to improve, but under 15 usage, 51 true shooting. I would expect both of those numbers to really skyrocket. But at the end of the year, Garland was out. Sexton missed some time. And now there was no Kevin Love. Now, I don't know what the hell is going to happen with Kevin Love this year. There was no Larry Nance either. So Love, Nance, Evan Mobley, Garland, Sexton, all these guys are around. Is Okoro going to be able to manage that higher usage with higher efficiency and do it consistently with those other guys around? I'm not convinced. Again, he was really bad for fantasy last year. In those minutes, that is a horrendous ranking, 266th or 226th in points. It's very, very bad. But I do expect significant improvements, some more minutes, some more usage, some more true shooting. But I'm not sure that it's going to be enough for him to be a top 100 player. Absolutely fine as a late round pick. But that little May run that he had, I'm not sure if we can just extrapolate that. We, we might be able to, but I'm not sure if we can extrapolate that all the way out. Yeah, I'd love to see him come in with 20 usage and 60 true shooting, but you're trying to project that and hanging your hat on it and saying, well, this is what's going to happen with Isaac Okoro. Uh, so therefore, I'll take him a pick 80. It's a way to really dick around your, uh, your fantasy draft. Next guy, we're staying at the pointy end of the draft. The number two pick, Blunty, James Wiseman. I, w- I was under the impression last season that Wiseman would be the starting center. That was correct. And that they would do everything in their power to play him 30 minutes a night. I went, I, I hated the pick at number two. I think I had him at five or six in my mock draft. I hated it at number two. Like hated it. But I went, all right, they're going to play him at number two. They're going to play him starting center. Check, that happened. They're going to play him close to 30 minutes a night, 28 minutes a night, fine. He's a, a rebounder. He blocks shots. He might hit some threes. He'll be decent usage. That's going to be worthwhile of a late, late pick. Unfortunately, he was garbage. He played 21 minutes. He had 24 usage, which is way too high for a bloke that doesn't know what he's doing. 55 true shooting is bad. And, and those rankings are horrible. He didn't know what he was doing offensively or defensively. Now, the Warriors obviously still want to win. I think that they'll go in and he will be the starting center. Now, he did have to deal with COVID. I think twice he missed time due to COVID restrictions or COVID diagnosis. And then he had a knee injury to end the year. I think he starts and I think he plays more minutes. I would hope that his usage comes down and his true shooting goes up. Is he a great last pick? Yeah, I think he's a good last pick in a draft. He could easily be top 100. 14 points, eight rebounds, two blocks, one and a half threes, 56% shooting. Maybe get to 75 from the line or something like that. Like he could do that very easily. But this Warriors team, hopefully Steve Kerr learns a lesson. It's like, kids, cover your ears. We can't afford to fuck around with this bloke because if he's shit house, we're shit house. And as soon as he went out of the lineup, they played well. 
So if he goes in there and he's just got no idea what he's doing on either side of the of the court, then they just have to take him out of the rotation. It's as simple as that. So there, that is the risk associated with James Wiseman, that he's just bad again. I think big steps forward will come, but I am not convinced. Let's go to Boston. Peyton Pritchard dominated Summer League, shot like 57% from three until the championship game where Davion Mitchell made him uh, made him into a uh, player that's more representative of who Peyton Pritchard is. But again, in Boston, yeah, Pritchard, look, he played 19 minutes a game last year. That's a pretty sizable role for a late first-round pick. He had 16 usage, true shooting 58. I think he is a really good shooter. Like, I know he is a really good shooter. I'd have no problem with that continuing. But Marcus Smart will be the starting point guard. I would imagine that Josh Richardson starts next to him. They could also put Dennis Schroeder in there. And to the bloke who pointed out in the YouTube comments that he appreciates me making an effort to say guys' names right, but I continually say Dennis Dennis's name wrong. I hope that was better because I've been calling him Schroeder. It's not Schroeder. It's not Schroeder. It's like in between a Schroeder. Schroeder. And I know that sounds like I'm just taking the piss on a German accent, but I'm trying to do it right. Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder. All right. I don't know if that's right or not. But anyway, Schroeder's there. Peyton Pritchard will be the fourth guard. So I'm not sure that there's that upside there for him to really blow up. And then there's Aaron Neesmith, who might actually fill a role better than Pritchard does. Not counting Romeo Langford because he's bad. The last guy we're going to talk about is another late first-round pick who had a really important and impressive rookie season. Emmanuel quickly. But when we look at what he did for fantasy, the hype around this bloke was so insane. It was so insane for a guy that was the 260th ranked player. Um, like That's obviously bad. 243rd in points leagues, 19 minutes a game. 25 usage is impressive. He got to the line a lot. He hit his free throws well. His field goal percentage was actually terrible. His assist rate was not particularly good. He offers no defense. He doesn't get rebounds. So I can look at this and go, hopefully that usage continues. The minutes, man, second year for a guy that played that well, they should skyrocket. But I'm not sure that they will. Because now instead of Alfred Payton starting ahead of him, it's Kemba Walker. And Kemba will miss time. Derek Rose is still there. They brought in Ivan Fournier as well. So quickly will probably play more minutes, but maybe not. Maybe he plays 21 a night. Do you have any confidence that Emmanuel quickly plays 28 minutes a night? Because I do not. And with the poor field goal percentage, the lack of assists, steals, blocks, rebounds, his value comes in bulk scoring and good free throw percentage. And I think he just needs a lot of minutes to get there. And and I'm really confident that he's not going to waltz in and play 30 a night. Played well in summer league, much like Pritchard again. But I don't have confidence that he's better than Kemba, Fournier, or Derek Rose at this point. And that's the risk. That'll do it. For me today, talking second-year players. Fingers crossed when I'm I'm back on Monday to do probably a schedule show, maybe the rookie show. I don't know the full thing of that. I will have a new studio set up. We'll have a new camera, a new desk, a new setup. It might be a bit rushed. It might not rushed. It might be a bit rusty, a bit um, choppy as I try and figure out my new process. But the studio should be set up, hopefully, for the next show. Guys, follow this podcast. And hopefully, by the time we're back, Basketball Monster will be pretty close to opening. And you'll get to uh, see all the projections and uh, and read that first article that I got up, the first mock draft that we did. Myself, Matt, Kyle, um, uh, Dan Besbris of Hoopball, Mike Passador of Hoopball, Jonas Nader and Jared Johnson of NBC Sports Edge, um, 
blanking on other names were in there, but a whole bunch of fantasy analysts were in that draft, guys. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app on YouTube. Give me a thumbs up. Tell me how bad my Dennis Schroeder um, pronunciation was. Tell me how much I hate the Toronto Raptors. Do it all in the comments below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.